My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss E.W. Swackhammer's Spider-Man, mind-numbingly boring television, and Spider-Funk. Get ready to watch the world's favorite comic book hero come alive, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Last week, we had a, a very, very fun discussion with uh, my good friend Lumber Jackson about Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, it, was just, it was great having him on. Yeah, no, solid, solid dude, good personality, uh, knows his shit, uh, was a great episode. I am now part of the cult of Craven's Last Hunt. It's, it's very, it's very exciting. Uh, and you know, th- like I said uh, last week, uh, we were gonna have uh, another special guest this week, uh, be Alex's friend Robert, but he had some computer issues uh, that ended up wiping things out, and we had to weigh between rescheduling everything or moving on without him and with his blessing we have decided to to move on without him and uh you know what i'm kind of glad we didn't have to put him through this yeah i'm sure he's seen it before he's he's a bit of a obscure media uh enthusiast so i'm sure it's something he's already had to sit through once uh maybe we'll get him on in a future episode it it happens to the best of us uh yeah yeah, i i am glad at the end of the day i didn't have to force him through this for my benefit so at least there's that uh yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll get into it more, but first off, uh this week we're talking about uh Spider-Man. It's just a movie called Spider-Man. Uh sometimes it's called The Amazing Spider-Man, but the poster and the trailer for it both just call it Spider-Man. So I'm just going to call it Spider-Man. This was a made for TV movie uh for the CBS company uh that was also released theatrically overseas. So technically this is the first theatrical Spider-Man film. Uh, What a way to enter. Yeah. Iconic classic classic. Uh, It was released on September 14th, 1977. Uh, It is directed by a man named E.W. Swackhammer, which is maybe one of the best names I've ever heard. It's a very real name. Uh, It's not made up. It's it's right up there with like Theolonius Sphere Monk, like it's it's one of the one of the truly great uh, names. It was written by Alvin Barretts. These guys are are pretty solid, uh, you know, just like work for hire TV film directors. You know, they're they're just guys that put in the work, and that extends to the cast as well. Uh, this film stars Nicholas Hammond as Peter Parker slash Spider Man, Lisa. Ellibacher as Judy Tyler, David White as J. Jonah Jameson, Thayer David as Edward Byron slash the guru, uh, Michael Pataki as Captain Barbera, and Hilly Hicks as Robbie Robertson. Pretty much out of these, the only person I knew going in was Nicholas Hammond. I knew him from this show, and he also has a very small role in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you've ever seen that movie? He's the oh god, who is he in that? 
He's the uh, the director of the TV show that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes to be on. Like he's talking to him in the trailer. Jesus, I had no idea. I've seen the movie like two, three times. That's Nicholas Hammond. Oh well, I'll point it out next time we rewatch it. Exactly. Uh, the music is by a guy named Johnny Spence, who uh, unfortunately uh, passed away about a month before the film was released. Oh God. I wanted to make a note of that because he died pretty young and uh, the music is like the only truly uh, excellent thing about this movie, in my opinion. I really like the music. Yeah, it's it's pretty memorable. Uh, I've, I found myself humming the like horn line. Over it is. The last few weeks. It's replaced the spectacular Spider-Man theme song in my brain. And if you've ever uh, listened to the TV show intro, the intro of the actual TV show that this movie is a backdoor pilot for, uh, it's like this, like really slick seventies. Like it's got like a, a horn line, like a saxophone in it, and like that that funky bass. It's really nice. I, I turned to my partner when we were first watching this, and I started like saying the Shaft dialogue intro Shaft. when we first heard the. It's they use it a lot in this movie, so we'll 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 just talk about it soon. But Alex, you're never gonna guess. Uh, this movie only had a budget of nine million dollars. This budget. This movie had a budget of nine dollars. This movie had a budget of nine cents uh, and some pocket lint. Yeah, it's you. It's I can't even see how much how they could have spent nine million seventies dollars on this. It is. It, it is. It is ten times less expensive than Into the Spider Verse was. Actually, you know what? Let me do some inflation calculator. Uh, nine million dollars in twenty twenty one would be about forty million dollars in twenty twenty one dollars. That is still like nothing. Yeah, that's that's not much of a movie budget. Uh, it, in terms this is of, a made-for-TV yeah. movie budget. Yeah, it's uh, it really shows, though. Uh, yeah, I guess we can also talk about our, our personal experiences. Question mark with this. Uh, do you have any, Alex? Not really. No, I, I'd heard of it a few times as as more of a trivia footnote than than anything I specifically wanted to watch. Uh, from what I'm aware, there exists a lot of like VHS copies of this, but like Columbia never put it on DVD from what I've been able to look into. So yeah, it's, it's not it's, like it's not on DVD. It's not available in any sort of home video except for, I think, some VHS releases. So it's one of those things where it's a little harder to get into uh, before the age of the Internet. And once I entered uh, being a computer haver, I, I just had no interest in watching something this so uh, p- boring on paper, which guess what? It's boring on film too. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty succinct. Uh, I when I've seen the the intro of this on YouTube, the actual TV show. Like I said, this movie was a backdoor pilot for a TV show that was eventually made. Two seasons. Uh, two. Uh, there were eventually in that show two different two part storylines that were combined together into their own movies. I think they were called. Uh, Spider-Man Strikes Back and Spider-Man and like the Dragon's Challenge or something like that where Spider-Man goes to Hong Kong. that's right. Uh, But I've seen the intro and uh, the trailer for this movie. I kind of like love the trailer for this movie. It takes like all of the exciting parts of this and adds that great music. Uh, They have like a fun like intro. It's like he's the world's most favorite comic book hero. And they also have that uh, they also have a great tagline at the end where it's like Spider-Man. Now he lives. That's like a very, uh, very it's 1970s like a horror movie character. 
It's like a, it's very, it's a very 1970s sort of tagline. It's like uh it's like you'll believe a man can fly. It's like that kind of thing. Oh sure, sure. I I really like the trailer for this for this movie. Uh but other than that, I have never seen any of the episodes, but uh let's just get into it, I guess. Uh Alex, do you want to take us through the plot of this uh made for TV movie? <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, uh, it. I ended up having to watch this again right before we recorded this episode because this is so. I, I guess the right word is dull for me, anyway. Uh, that I I forgot most of what happened, even though I wrote a synopsis while I was watching it. So uh, here we I'm go. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna put this out here immediately. We're gonna say this a lot. Most of this movie is incredibly boring. It's I've watched 90 minute movies that fly by. I've watched 90 minute movies that drag. And this is one of the draggier drags that I've had to sit through. Um, this was this was on network television. They just had nothing better to do back then, man. Vietnam just happened. This was back in the day when there were only three channels on TV, the big three networks. So if it was if it was that if you, you didn't want to watch this, or you watched this and you thought it was boring. You had like two other options. And that was it. Yeah. Too fucking bad. Watch your boring TV. Seventies <laughs> television was truly a nightmarish dimension. So, <clears throat> so let's dive right into this. Uh, we begin. The first frame is not of Spider-Man, believe it or not, or even Peter Parker. It is uh, of a doctor giving a guy a checkup. Uh, well, well, first, first, we start off with an uh, an incredible yeah, I, intro. I, I, we should talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, the theme to this, as Lex mentioned earlier fucking incredible uh very funky very very groovy um that's probably the best thing about it uh i i really actually mean that i think besides captain barbara maybe the 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 theme song is the best part of this movie yeah i i literally wrote a note every time the funk music would play i I was it was it was the most exciting part of the film was the funk music that played in like every montage the theme comes up as a reprise a few times where it's got uh it's like played on a flute i think at some point yeah the little the little flute uh, notes those are really great um but yeah we we get a great tiny little action sequence opening just a lot of crawling on walls when i say action sequence that, that's, uh, they, that's the most you get out of this spider-man is crawling on walls there's zero web slinging in this movie there, there's, oh, there's one there's one there's one little bit of web slinging there, I, that's the I money guess, like, shot because they reuse it like eight times i guess i should say there's no web like swinging in this which is like good we'll, we'll, we'll get to it stunts in 77 would have been yikes but once we get our, our spider webby font heavy 70s cop show intro, that's it's it's got everything except like who's the cool arachnid dude that gets all the chicks like, you know, over Spider-Man. That's all it's missing. <laughs> uh, but from there, we do go to this uh, doctor during a checkup who hears like a what sounds like a World War Two air raid siren. This noise they use for the, the mind control stuff is really annoying. <laughs> Uh, and they use it a lot. Uh, but he hears this weird tone, this whining, klaxon kind of tone, and just leaves the room with his patient, you know, in the room, going, what the fuck is going on? Uh, we cut from there to a lawyer uh, who is in the middle of giving defense. Uh, I don't remember if he's prosecuting or not. It doesn't matter. He's doing lawyer stuff. When he hears the same tone and just walks the fuck out of the court and in mid-sentence. So we've got these two guys that have just disappeared on the job. Uh, they head to a bank together in a car. 
and pull out a bunch of revolvers and gas grenades and gas masks. Uh, one stays in the car, one goes inside, commits an armed robbery, and uh, comes back to the car with the suitcase full of money that banks just keep under the desk. Yep. Uh, while they're getaway driving, they pull into an alleyway and just crash into the fucking wall. I, I this movie had been going on for like two, three minutes at this point. I was very confused already. <laughs> um, did you have something to say? It sounded like it. It's yeah, I, I don't really I don't have anything to say, but uh, it, this, it's going to be a theme throughout this film where things happen like a thing happens and then like it just keeps repeating. Yeah, like it just had like the the whole thing of somebody robs a bank and it's like almost like shot for shot. Somebody walks out of a bank with gas coming out of it, gets in a car, drives, crashes into a wall. The police show up. This happens like two or three times. Yeah. The rest of the movie. It's it's uh, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Exactly. Things things just like it it obviously feels like they're trying to like pad out the runtime it's because just it's the same things happen over and over again it comes across uh, and, to me like like the director maybe had an idea of oh wow this looks really cool and so he did it three times because it looked and, cool to him and one thing that i might as well point out now uh is that i don't know if it actually starts here but other than the points where there are montages with funk music or like little moments with the flute stuff uh or like occasionally an action sequence uh, there is like almost no background music this whole movie. It's, it's a very like awkwardly quiet movie. Yeah. Like the most you can hear is like an air conditioner. It's, it's like you're sitting in like a classroom when you're do- taking a test. Like that's what it sounds like. Especially in the scene in the radiation lab where they're using like the, the robot. Oh my God. And it's just a few minutes of. Yeah. Let's just, let's just jump to there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, this, this robbery occurs and it sucks. Uh, but the guys crash the car, um, and when they crash the car, two guys run out of nowhere. One of them looks a lot like Greg Turkington to me, uh, and they take two little lapel pins off of the robbers and abscond with the money. Uh, we go from here before the radiation lab to the Daily Bugle. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot with- about this scene. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we immediately get introduced to Peter with like no fanfare. It's this is the yeah, first Peter just kind of shows up. He's just there uh, desperate for work. So they get that right right off the bat. Um, turned down by J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, interesting performance of J.J. I, I know in from like 2000 on, he's been colored by J.K. Simmons, like immortal portrayal of him. So it's hard to like judge performances before that for a lot of people. It, it's fine. Uh, he doesn't. He yells a lot, so that's all you can really ask for, right? I mean, every everybody in this show, except for Nicholas Hammond, who I mean, we might as well talk about him now after yeah, I, right. I finish my my statement. But everybody else in this show is just kind of like a guy. That's their role. They don't have any like real like like character or like. Other than Jameson, who's kind of cranky, everybody's mm-hmm. just kind of like person. Like they don't have any like real defining characteristics about them. Which it, it's it's just so it's so it's, it makes me so sad. 
Yeah, they they dropped the ball on a lot of because most of these characters are new and like made up for this, and they're like nothing characters. Yeah, other than apparently in the final in the actual TV show, Robbie is doesn't exist and is replaced <laughs> with a different character. Uh, they changed the yeah. actor for JJ to Jameson, but uh-huh. other than like Jameson and Aunt May and Peter, like that's it. Yeah, and Aunt May, we'll get to Aunt May, but she's she's pretty rough in this too. It's not a great portrayal. None of the villains are from the comic books. They're all just like regular criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, it, it almost feels like entirely divorced from Spider-Man. It's really, really weird. But to talk yeah. about Nicholas Hammond really quickly, I actually yeah. like, I like him. He's good. He brings a weird energy to this. Um, I have it in my notes here. He comes across in this initial introduction scene. He reminds me a lot of specifically like Luke Skywalker. When I was, was I literally wrote in my notes. I wrote Nicholas Hammond reminds me a lot of Mark Hamill. He's straight. Well, he just sounds like this with everything he says, like a bewildered little child man. You know what I mean? Like farm. Yeah, boy he, talk, he talks like Luke Skywalker and it's. <laughs> It's got it's got its charm to it, and it it, well, I mean, it makes me it makes me wish that he had like better material that didn't make me want to like fall asleep. In in fairness, this did come out like four months after Star Wars. Yeah, this was right after Star Wars, so I can't blame them for wanting to rip that. W- off. What a nerds like they like them comic books. Make a Spider Man TV show. Uh, that's how it goes, I guess. Uh, I guess so. So yeah, Robbie is introduced briefly. He's he's mostly just here to be not even a foil for Jameson. He's just there, like a lot of characters. Uh, they all watch a news report, a breaking news report on TV. And the mayor has been given an extortion note from a person taking responsibility for the recent armed robbery by the lawyer and the doctor and threatens to make 10 New Yorkers kill themselves unless the city pays him $50 million, which would be uh, cons- closer to maybe like a quarter billion in now money but like what a fucking plot what the hell like uh, it's and, and then the newspaper or the news uh anchors are like they'll, they'll they threaten to destroy themselves because you can't say like kill yourself on tv yeah uh except they say it one time which is weird <laughs> uh how much money did you say he wanted 50 million is what i had written 50 i'm putting it back into the inflation calculator uh, fifty million dollars in twenty twenty one dollars is three hundred and fifty three million dollars. Damn, that's a third of a billion, <laughs> or ten dead New Yorkers. Your call, or ten dead New Yorkers. Uh, yeah, it's it's just there's no I I I have a note later note, but the guru who is the villain of this this movie is like super boring, uh, oh, like yeah. most of everything else, and I just. I know they probably couldn't do it just because of the budget constraints because the budget was so tight. Uh, I just really wanted them to do like a really like shitty cheapo Doc Ock where they're like using like uh, those like that, pl- that like uh, silvery shiny like duct material. Oh my God. As, yeah. For the arms. That would have been fun. Let's get you a time machine. I guess you've got some pitching to do. I want to do like Be Kind Rewind, but like remake the Spider-Man movie. We go from this uh, initial bugle scene to the radiation lab, uh, which is just a thing here, I guess, a radiation lab to. to it's a, ra- it's a radiation it. lab at, at at the university that Peter goes to because Peter's already yeah. in college at this point. Peter is trying to get a degree in shooting radiation at, at vials of blue liquid. Yes. Uh, very competitive field. And this is where we're introduced to classic Spider-Man character, uh, Peter's friend, Dave, who is there. 
like everybody else. Uh it's it's bizarre to me like all these made up new characters we're not even nearly done with them um but i i just i can't get over dave what the fuck um yeah dave is just like peter's friend who shows up for this one scene and he's only there to like have peter say something and dave go funny comeback and that's it for five (laughs) fucking minutes and then and then obviously we we talked early, a little bit earlier about this. There's a scene where they're like moving a robot arm and it takes like three minutes and it's just dead silent. And you watch this robot arm slowly move and like pick up a, a glass like beaker. And it's like fucking get on with it. Jesus. This was edge of your seat stuff in 77, man. They didn't have like RoboCop yet to, to show them what exciting things were. <laughs> and then later, like a. Uh, a mailman guy shows up and has a package for Peter. It's like some kind of radio, whatchamacallit, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're condensers for the transistor he's building in his attic. He, like, doesn't have enough money to pay for it. And, like, the... uh, What's Dave? That's his name? Yeah. Uh, Dave is like, oh, you know, there's radiation in here, like, trying to yuck it up with the mailman guy. The mailman's, like, guy's, like, freaking out. And he's like, I don't want to be here. You know, you don't got the money. Come meet me at the, the, the uh, post office or whatever. And it's like, is this what passed for comedy in the 70s? Was like this considered yeah. funny? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> radiation. That's it's like this guy's like freaking out about getting irradiated. He's like, um, he says something uh, like, "The dentist gives me a lead apron. You just let me walk around in here." It's like, dude, you knocked on the door and came in. Whatever, whatever. I guess. I, I, but yeah, this is. Uh, if you're a big Dave fan, I'm sorry, but this is just about the end of the Dave talk. Uh, a spider has made it into the little test chamber they're working in after the mailman has departed. Uh, Peter thinks he sees something in there. Dave doesn't really give a shit. Very bird in the sand, Spider-Man 3 moment. That's just a bird, whatever. Uh, and it's bombarded with radiation uh, because of the radiation lab. Yep. Uh, once the experiment's concluded, Peter is gathering his things, ready to leave, and the now glowing with 70s special effects spider bites him on the hand. And get it's just gone. I always, uh, it's a weird thing. Whenever you get a Spider-Man origin story, I'm always curious, like, oh, does, he, does the spider die or does it get away? Because either way, there's too much room for bad writers to, to make stuff up in the middle there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not saying that as like a, a silk hater. I just I don't know too much about the character, but I don't know. It's always interesting to me as whether whether the spider lives or not. The spider just fucks off. Um. Meanwhile, immediately after this, a another man is in the middle of robbing a Vanguard money transport truck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> coaxed on by the the mysterious tone. Uh, he locks the security guards in the back of the truck and drives off turns into a lot uh coincidentally where peter has just exited the building and begins to feel a buzzing in his head different from the uh the weird tone that everybody's hearing almost like some kind of spider sense yeah uh, like th- they show the spider sense which in this is like it's like he it's a close-up of him and then it like flashes what's happening uh <laughs> but it's it, it this is like the and in this case he like flashes the car coming at him from behind. Uh and you know all the other times they show spider spider sense it's just like like crime detector or like mm-hmm. he's just it's like oh there's a crime happening like it's not even danger if it's coming after him it's just like there's a crime happening i got to go deal with this. Yeah, 
Um, it's an interesting take on it, I guess. It's 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 a it's plot contrivance is what it is. It's the limitation of 1970s special effects for TV budgets, I guess. Uh, Peter is almost run over by the car, but leaps up at the last moment, uh, finding himself crawling on the wall while the car slams into the wall below. Uh, Peter, <laughs> there's this really goofy part where, you know, he scaled the wall and he's at the top and he has like like we're talking about, he has like a flashback to what just happened. Like he's at the top and they make it a point to show the footage of him crawling up again while he's like staring at his hands. I guess like we just fucking saw this like 15 seconds ago, maybe. And I was like just complimenting Nicholas Hammond on his performance in this. Cause like he's trying, he's trying the best. Everybody in this movie is trying with what they're given. Oh, yeah. uh, nobody's half-assing it. Uh, but Nicholas Hammond, like this is a thing that happens multiple times in the movie where like something like, like he's like trying to like use his spider powers or whatever. Uh, but he climbs up the wall and he's just like completely like stone faced and he's just like looking around he's like oh not even making any noise just the music is playing and like it's these long extended sequences of this happening where he looks around and the music is playing he's like oh maybe they only had one take I don't know he's just very nonchalant about the fact he like just climbed up a wall like he doesn't care well, while he is at the top of this wall, non-acting, uh, the two goons, I, I guess you could call them, appear again, collect the money from the wreck, and vanish. Uh, Peter descends and begins taking pictures of the wreck uh, when the police arrives, and Peter and the audience are introduced to Captain Barbera, probably my favorite character in the movie. Uh, he's, he looks a lot like uh, Mel Brooks to me. And he's just a character, just an absolute, ah, fuck you. Like, not quite a Captain Stacy, but uh, definitely cartoon cop material here. Very, very cartoonish. I don't know. If anything, the guy who plays Captain Barbera should have been Jameson, and the guy who plays Jameson should have been this police captain guy that just called him Captain Stacy. Absolutely, you 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 are going to write a better Spider-Man seventy-seven. Like it would it would have been it would have been so much better because this guy the the Captain Barbera is like the best character in the movie. Oh, absolutely! Uh, where he's like super, he's like super irritable, and he's like he's like a like a cigar chomping uh, old timey cop from like fucking some old fifties t like Dragnet or some shit. He used uh, like at least three expressions in this movie I'd never heard before. Like at the very end, he's like, "Oh, spare me the cauliflower" or something. I'm like, "What the yeah, fuck?" Yeah, I remember that. It's 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 great. I like this guy. He's fun. Yeah, that, I, I guess so. Very fun at parties. Captain Barbera uh, immediately starts barking questions at Peter, who is a civilian at a crime scene. Um, he asks if Peter saw anybody else. Uh, when Peter says he didn't, they almost let him go. But when it's discovered the money has been taken from the crime scene, Peter's dragged back for some more questions. But uh, I think Barbera says something like, oh, you had your eyes closed and just berates him some more before letting him go again. Just very weird pacing with all of this, but it, whatever. Peter goes home and falls asleep. Which is like a defining character trait, I guess. Peter Parker is a motherfucker who will get bit by a spider, go straight home, and just be like, ah, oh, this is fine. I'm not going to worry I'm gonna about take this. A nap. I'm going to take a nap now. 
he has a, a dream about what happened in the radiation lab. It's very, uh, for those of you who have seen Twin Peaks, The Return, that fucking frame of Dale Cooper's face overlaid over everything that's like actually happening. It's it's like that, where he's just like staring into the camera while other shit happens. Kyle McLaughlin should have been Spider-Man in this movie. <laughs> your your hot takes are, are burning my hands here, man. Ooh, ah, ah. How old was Kyle McLaughlin in 1977? I'm looking this up uh... on the computer. He was pretty young in Dune in 84, so he might have been about the right age, seven years before that. Maybe a little young for it. I don't know how old the man is off the top of my head. Uh, He would have been 18 in 1977. Get him in there! Get him in there! Come on! Get him in there! In another day. Um, But yes, after having a dream about the events of the day to pad out the runtime, cough, cough, uh, Peter wakes up and decides to climb out the window of his room and begin crawling on the walls of the Parker house in a very stupid sequence. Um, and, and we get we get more funk music and we get uh, maybe the worst green screen I have like ever seen. I would argue there's a way worse one near the end of this movie when he jumps like over that gap between buildings. I don't even you know remember, remember that one. I don't. I don't even remember oh, that God. one. I'll link you to it later. It's rough. I is I it when he is it, rewind it? Is it when he jumps uh, like on top of the roof? Like yeah, that shot they use from one times? roof to another, like jumping forward. Yeah. I I think I think this one is worse because like you could you can like you can sell it like the one where he jumps on the roof almost looks like a rear screen projection. Like you can kind of buy it almost as like a thing sure. from a movie. But with this, it's very obviously just him like crawling on a green floor as they use like exterior footage of the house it's so terrible it's pretty rough it's it's really funny he makes a lot of stupid faces during this My, the best face is when he gets his costume but we'll get there and it's uh, it's it's even it's even funnier because there are later wall crawling effects where like it's obviously a guy on strings but it looks way better than the shitty green screen yeah definitely agreed um yeah we peter heads downtown from there to uh supposedly try this again i don't know uh on the wall of a parking building uh don't know what possessed him to do it there but there he is where he witnesses a lady having her purse stolen which prompts peter still clinging to the wall to shout hey down at the mugger who sees peter just clinging to the side of the building stops in his tracks and is just like frozen in shock over what he's seeing which i think is a really funny take on it it you is. Really it's see funny that in a lot of Spider-Man movies. People, you know, they call him a freak and stuff, but no one is ever like repulsed by Spider-Man. They make some jokes about it here and there, but this is real, like real life type. Oh my god, am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? Kind of shit. And this is this is that well, one of those wall crawling scenes I was talking about that looks good. But the the funny thing about it is that it's like the way that it's filmed. Uh, you're 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 the camera is right by where the mugger is, but the Spider-Man is uh, Peter is like 5,000 feet away on the parking building. He's like a good distance. It's like you can barely even tell that there's a person on the building. He's like yeah. so far away, like just, I guess, to hide the wires. But it looks really funny because it's like <laughs> this guy should maybe think there's somebody leaning out a window. He sh- he's way too far to tell that there is a Spider-Man here. It's really funny. But with that in mind, uh, he is apprehended by a police officer. Uh, the mugger asks if the officer saw the guy, which the officer didn't. 
But several other onlookers come forward and confirm what the mugger saw. There was a guy up there. Um, Peter goes back to the Daily Bugle in an attempt to sell photos of the car crash from the bank robbery that almost ran him over. Uh, but Jameson is far more interested, believe it or not, in getting photos of the quote-unquote Spider-Man that the mugger and the others saw. Uh, Peter claims to have seen the man himself. Jameson is skeptical and begins the process of attempting to throw Peter out of the building. But Peter then claims to have taken a picture of Spider-Man, to which both Jameson and Robbie are, you know, pr they're pretty skeptical of this still, and begin to ask him questions about what Spider-Man wears. And Peter says that he has a special costume. Jameson says he's heard enough and tells Peter to go home and get the picture. Peter, like, he basically just comes up with the idea of Spider-Man, like, bullshitting it on the fly. Where he's like, uh, he's a uh, guy, he's got all the, like, he doesn't even know what his powers are. He's like, he can climb walls and he can uh, spin webs and he can, he's super strong. Like, he doesn't even know he's strong. He's got a he's giant like, penis. Uh, he's he's, he's really cool. <laughs> His cock is massive. Uh, he's got a huge ass. He's got uh, a billion dollars. And because very quickly we'll find out that Uncle Ben is just not in this movie at all. No. Uh, like he just doesn't exist. It's not like even in the the like Captain America Civil War where like they already did the origin beforehand. Uh, so like Ben doesn't really need to be there because you already know what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the origin story. And it's not even, it's worse than Amazing Spider-Man, where Ben is there, but he's overshadowed by uh, his dad. So, in, in this case, he's just not there. They so, no like, it's nothing. Peter's motivation, Peter, ha Peter, his motivation for fighting crime as Spider-Man is just because he's a good boy, and he knows it's the right thing to do. Like, that's yeah, literally that's it. <laughs> that, and also so he can make money. Yeah. But it's it's a it's something. You hear that, Robbie? Mr. Parker here saw a Spider-Man. Isn't that wonderful? Are you on drugs? I did see him. What do you look like? Well, uh, like, like a spider. How many legs do you have? Well, two, of course. He's a man. You just said he was a spider. Spiders have got lots of legs. No, sir. He he's like a spider. He can do the things a spider does. You know, um, climb walls and and spin webs. And he's very very strong. I can step on a spider. Can I step on him? No, sir. I told you, he's not a spider. He's a full-grown man. He's got the strength of a spider, but it's all in proportion to his size. Spiders are very, very strong, you know, so he's thousands of times stronger than you or... or me. We get introduced uh, to our Aunt May at this point. It's not the worst version of the character, I guess? I don't have a, you know, a it, it's like such a, Aunt May is such a non-entity in this movie that I don't really have any opinion on her. She's just like, okay, she, yeah. Barely there. She's just there to dote on Peter a little bit and serve as somebody else to have in the house. Uh, she calls Peter down for dinner a few times. Again, in another really padded out scene where she goes up the stairs and goes back down the stairs and back up the stairs and back down the stairs. Um, Peter is calling down. He's up in his room where he walks out of the shadows to a mirror wearing just about the worst Spider-Man costume you've ever seen in your life. Um, oh, 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 contraire. I love the costume in this show. It It's goofy. It's it's very, very kitschy in a good way. It, it's, you know, it's, it's bad to look at with my eyes, but I like it. You, you know, uh, you know, those like old, like, like, 
eight millimeter films of like the first ever like Star Trek conventions. And they have the first ever cosplayers where like somebody's dressed up as like an engineering officer, like somebody's dressed up as Mr. Spock and they have these like terrible uh, ears that are like glued onto their, their head. It's, Mm. it's like that. It's like watching the world's first Spider-Man cosplayer. It's, it looks like it was made by a a college student in their depression den. It's hilarious. It looks regular silver eyes. The circular silver eyes, which are very funny. Uh, and like you can see on the back, there's like a big flap for the scene, like the zipper where you would put it on, like where the red beats the love. blue on the back. There's a big zipper on the back. The boots are like almost like rubbery. What I love the most about the suit is that it's not a separate mask like every other iteration of the suit. It like folds down from the shoulders down. Yeah. And he makes this ridiculous face when he pulls it off. He just goes like <laughs> into the, into the like, mirror. Makes like a clockwork orange face is what he makes. Uh, but but yeah, um, that's our suit. And later on, I think in the actual in the actual TV show, uh, he gets like a belt uh, which has a buckle with his face on it. Uh, it's like a, like a essentially like a Batman utility belt, but for Spider Man, it's the Gucci Spider Man belt. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we're introduced to Spider-Man here. Here he is. It's him, the Spider-Man. Uh, later, back in the alley where he first discovered his powers, uh, Peter sets up his camera with a timer and takes pictures of himself in his new outfit and uh, brings the finalized produced photos to Jameson and Robbie. Robbie wants to print them as they're a Bugle exclusive and no other paper you know, has any pictures of Spider-Man yet. But Jameson is still skeptical, thinking Peter's faked them to get money out of him. And, and you know, like, this guy's been trying to get forty six dollars from me all day. And, you know, out of all all of the iterations of Spider-Man where he works at the Bugle and takes photos of himself to, like, sell for money. Uh, these are the photos that look the most like they were taken by the same person that is Spider-Man. Like, Absolutely. He's like he's like climbing up a wall and he turns. He's like, oops. I, you got me. I kind of had the same thought, but what sold that for me was at the very end of the movie when he hands Jameson the picture of him with the three like samurai guys. Oh my god, yes! And it's just like Peter, you took this, and that's you, and I know it. It's like it's like a selfie of like him and the, like, the ninja guys, and he's like, I, I want to say I I don't know if I like made this out like if it was like a Mandela effect thing, but like I I want to say that like uh, Peter's like giving a thumbs up. At, in I the swear Spider-Man to God, costume. he is. I swear he's to like God. hanging out with him. Like, yeah, we'll get to the bald ninjas later. That's you, Peter. <laughs> That's you. You took that picture. You're Spider-Man. Uh, the the trio are interrupted by a phone call about another robbery in progress. Uh, Robbie convinces Jameson to give Peter the assignment of covering it as the Bugle's photographer. At the scene of the crime, where the latest robber, robber has crashed his car. Captain Barbera is trying to figure out where the money has gone. Peter is coincidentally at the scene, to too coincidentally for Captain Barbera's liking. Uh, he walks up to him. Uh, they have a brief exchange before leaving. Not much of it comes from this. It's mostly just another scene for Barbera to yell and, and you know, provide character. Uh, at During the all of this, Peter's camera gets knocked out of his hands, and the film is exposed to light. So, you know, it's it's useless for those of you who don't know how how 
photos work, you damn kids and your phones. Oh my god, I get, I got that. I was like, I was like, kind of spacing out because I'm so bored with this movie. Uh, yeah, and I got, I got this that scene where he drops his camera and like the phone, the film gets exposed to light with uh like the great Muppet caper because I just watched that for class. Uh, and there's a scene where like Gonzo is developing a photo, like trying to like find criminals and then somebody busts open the door and the photo like gets exposed to light and fucks up. I, I like got it confused with that scene. It's <laughs> this is a, this is a great movie. Peter rounds the corner and Gonzo is just there. God, I wish Gonzo was in this movie. I would love a Muppet Spider-Man where Peter Parker is the only human and the Muppets are the rest of the characters. If you're listening, yeah. Disney. J. Jonah Jameson uh, would be a great Muppet. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the robber is still stuck in the vehicle, and Peter tricks an EMT into leaving for a moment while using his Spider-Man strength to just yank the steering wheel off and, and free the guy. Uh, the returning EMT is puzzled, uh, with Peter claiming the wheel just broke off. Uh, the EMTs get the robber out and begin loading him into an ambulance. Uh, it's a great little Spider-Man moment, that whole scene. Just, I, I don't know. What does it mean? Just happened. Uh, and the scene ends with the man's daughter, Judy, showing up. Uh, yep. Who is another new character and another an, another Spider-Man girlfriend, I guess. I don't even know if you can consider herself a love interest. She's like such a nothing character that she like exists to be like to get Peter involved in the hypnotizing and then like just kind of leave. She's there for the benefit of what Mike Staclasa calls the not gays. Because it is. If it's straight no up the not gays. If there was no girl here, then what would audiences think? Spider-Man? It's pretty gay. <sighs> that sounds pretty gay if he's a Spider-Man. Once the uh, police leave, Peter begins talking to Judy, having realized that the robber's Professor Tyler is Professor Tyler of the English department of his school. Uh, once they leave together, another man in a hat is seen watching and walks away, getting into his car and picking up a walkie-talkie. Super exciting stuff. Espionage. Elsewhere, (laughs) in a cutaway scene, and uh, a shrouded, not easy to see man walks up to a computer and gets a report from the man in the car we just saw. These little like snippets where we're like seeing characters we're going to be introduced to later and they're like doing a, you know, a job of hiding them. It, why? <laughs> These are brand new characters we don't give a shit about. It's not some like reveal that, oh shit, he's Wilson Fisk, he's Norman Osborn. It's just, it's some guy. There's no reveal because he's still as much to me some guy as he was when I couldn't see him. You know, I don't know. I I don't know what I do know. They shot themselves in the foot by making up brand new characters for this thing. (sighs) It's like there's there's no grab here. And part of me thinks that they did this because the Incredible Hulk show, which was also, I believe, on CBS at the same time. Yeah, it was. uh, Had a sort of similar setup where there's no comic book villains in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the Hulk is kind of more, I want to say the Hulk is more like adaptable to that kind of thing where it's oh, like yeah. a guy Actually, on the run, the format they use with it being like a, you know, town to town kind of thing. Yeah. It, it makes more sense to have those, to not have like big bombastic supervillains. But if you have a guy called Spider-Man who runs around like, you know, in a, in a red and blue costume and swings on ropes across buildings, uh, you know, when he goes to fight a guy who hypnotizes people, it's like, eh, there's not a lot of balance there. Yeah. 
one thing I do love about uh, the Guru's little uh, secret computer base is that computer base. He has this like mind control with like ENIAC and an enamel pin. Like that's how he yeah. does it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It would be one thing if there if Spider-Man didn't have like a rogues gallery the size of, I don't know, some smaller publishers like entire character list, you know? But Peter has so many villains to choose from that it it just baffles me. If it was a rights thing, even, that'd be one thing. But clearly there was no issue with the rights if they could get Spider-Man, Jameson. That implies they had rights to more stuff to use, but I don't know. I don't want to harp on it too much. It's just a a huge detriment to this. Not, Not just the movie, but the series as a whole, which I will not spend any more of my precious free time watching, I can assure you. No. God, no. Maybe if I'm le- if the bombs fall and all I have left is Spider-Man on VHS, th- then sure. But um, from the scene we were at, uh, we see Peter and Judy at the hospital with Judy's father, the professor, uh, when a nurse tells them that they need to leave the room. As they leave, the professor tells his daughter that he's a robber, like the police claims that he 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 <laughs> did robber. it. He, he doesn't know why or how, but he did it, and he knows he did it. Um, after they're all gone, a henchman from the car, the, the side-burned one, enters the professor's room dressed as a doctor and slips the lapel pen back onto the professor's jacket. Very, very subtle. Elsewhere, uh, Mr. Computer Man sees a dot on a radar system and starts transmitting a signal, the, the tone that causes Professor Tyler to climb out of the window of his hospital room in an attempt to kill himself as one of the lucky 10 New Yorkers. It's uh, and, and here's here's the funny thing. It's later established uh, that when Peter gets hypnotized and he gets the pin put on him uh, and he is one of like the 10 people that's going to kill themselves. Uh, it's established that if the pin falls off, then the spell is broken and you're not hypnotized anymore. But the pin isn't even on him. It's on his jacket that's next to him. Yeah. And well, yet he's still hypnotized and wants to go jump off a building. The rules are, are really inconsistent. Uh, I think it, this movie might be bad. It could be. Um, I'm not sure if it was nominated for any Oscars this year, uh, that year. But, you know, it's worth checking out, maybe. It got the, it got the nomination for Best Popular Film. It got Best Spider Bite. Remember when they were going to do that? Yeah, that was a fun few months of people yelling at each other on the internet. Well, a few yeah. weeks. Yeah, you know, it was only that. My my perception of time is totally fucked now. Fair enough. Uh, we've got, what, five days, six days till Spider-Man? It's more like two months. That's a bad <sighs> joke. I can't wait. Uh, Peter sees the professor about to jump and rushes to get changed into his costume. That should take way longer than it does. But uh, we're on movie time here, and he has time to change into the costume and save the professor. I would uh, say this is like the best sequence in the movie. It's the most, like, I would say, true to character, too, sure. It's the most exciting. It's the most action-packed. It's got the great funk music. Uh, he's climbing up the wall. He's saving a guy. It's the most Spider-Man moment in the whole movie. For sure. Uh, I think what really sells that idea is um, when Barbara's down there and he goes, I wonder who that character is. Yeah, it's it's like if this was like a short film and it was just the sequence, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go. Absolutely. Uh, 
astonished onlooking crowd is just, you know, in awe of the miraculous save here. Uh, Peter leaves the professor up on the roof and heads off uh, when police officers begin to show up. Uh, back at the bugle, Jameson lashes out at Peter for not getting pictures of the incident at the hospital because he wants pictures of Spider-Man, goddammit. Uh, Peter's thrown out of the office, and, uh, yeah, we, we find out further, you know, we have no pictures at all, not even of the Tyler car crash because of the exposure to light on the film. Uh, Peter meets Judy on the way out, and they take a walk together. Uh, during which Judy assures Peter that her father is innocent, no matter what may have occurred. She also tells Peter that her father's been involved in a group led by a guru named Byron. Uh, she asks Peter to go with her to see Byron because she really doesn't want to, which I wouldn't either. I, I have no, I'm not a very hippy-dippy new age philosophy kind of guy. And, and the phrase guru and seeing a man that looks like a Southern Baptist preacher is just like, okay, what's, what's the grift here? Yeah, the, the, vil, the villain being a new age guru hypnotist is like incredibly 70s. Absolutely. Uh, definitely like not quite satanic panic stuff, but definitely in the same vein of like, ooh, this is bad. Beware. Yeah, it's like it's like having a it's like a villain in like an 80s TV show being like a televangelist. Like it's the yeah. same thing. This guy could have played a televangelist. He looks like it's it. like it's so specific to like one time period that you can't really put it anywhere else. It's very silly. Uh, together. uh God, it's written right down in front of me, and I almost forgot her name. Judy and Peter uh, go to Byron's office and meet with Mr. Edward Byron himself. Uh, Barbara grills... Uh, or Sorry, Barbara. I had it written down funny. Barbara, <laughs> meanwhile, grills the professor Barbara. about the details of the robbery uh, and attempts to find out if Tyler knows anything about Spider-Man. Back at the Byron office, uh, Judy and Peter are taking part in a seminar helmed by Byron until they're sent out really weirdly and coldly because they aren't part of Byron's group. <laughs> Very get the fuck out of here. You don't give me money. Did we uh, did we talk about him making the web shooter yet? I want to say that's it's in the next scene. I have it here in my notes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's very soon. It, it, it bears talking about. I don't I don't remember like I, I'm. I put my notes obviously in order of when I thought of them, but I don't there. I I don't know if there's like a sequence. I, I just forgot. Cause this movie's so boring. Like there's mm -hmm. another like guru sequence after it. It's, it's just <sighs> a bunch of talking until the web shooter thing. Judy drops yeah. Peter out of school and considers joining the group. Uh, Peter says he's only interested in that. Byron is only interested in putting people down, not helping them. But Judy's made up her mind. Yeah, uh, Byron goes into like this big tr uh, tirade about how like you're a bunch of fucking idiots. I'm gonna advertise you now. Give me money. Um, back at the lab, Peter begins building his web shooters. Uh, more like web shooter because he only has the one. Yes, and there's a lot of scenes where when he spins web, he like claps his hands together, and web just like gets pulled up from the ground upward. It's it's rough. It's an effect. Like it's it's more like specifically in this scene, he like holds his hand out, and because he only has one web shooter, which is a thing that will also happen in the '70s Spider-Man show, the 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 Toei Spider-Man show, I mean, uh, where he only has the one web shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, but he just shoots out like a white rope and then climbs up a tree. 
Oh, yeah, no, he casts it up into this tree and then swings around it uh, like an asshole for a while. And in a uh, lot of these scenes, you can really tell that most of this movie was filmed in Los Angeles. For like, sure. Why would he Half climb up a tree, tree instead of a, a building? Yeah, um, I, I almost want to say I remember it being a palm tree, but that's like way too cartoonish. It's just some skinny thing. Uh, but yeah, it's but yeah, very L.A. Super goofy scene. Um, back in his room, Peter hears on his radio that the mayor has gotten a second note from the extortionist taking credit for the robberies over the last few days and informing that the 10 people who he's going to force to kill themselves are now being programmed. Uh, at Byron's office, the people in his group are being hypnotized. Uh, meanwhile, Peter's picked up a strange signal on his thing that he built, his transmitter that he needed his condensers for. He calls a doctor at the university uh, who claims they're not working on anything at the moment that could explain the signal or what it is, where it's being projected from. Peter hangs up and then heads down to eat. And then in mid dinner, just has like a weird freak out, uh, that would explain like, I'm not sure what this was meant to be. Is it spider sense or he just gets yeah, really weirdly like zoned out is like, I gotta go. And then runs outside onto the porch for a while. And then comes, I want to say it's spider sense. It, it's just weirdly portrayed, considering how they did things earlier. He just has like an anxiety attack outside and comes back inside. Uh, this is a not very well made movie. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, yeah, this this weird little moment he has is him connecting that the hypnotized robbers are uh, they have something to do with Byron and he heads off as Spider-Man. Uh, back at Byron's office, the programming of his group is complete. And he tells them that their lives are finally over. Uh, I might not give a shit about the character, but there's some really fun lines in here like that. And, and the whole like proceeding. Ah, you guys suck speech. Uh, he gives them individual instructions, telling them that they must not fail. And while he's doing this, Spider-Man has managed to trace the mysterious signal back to its source using uh, this device that's like a PKE meter kind of. I, I guess it's like a precursor to like the spider tracker stuff because that yeah. gets featured a lot in the series. Uh, I don't but know. Yeah, it's something. It's a gadget. He just has uh, a thing. He sneezes and drops it and breaks it. Was that meant to be like touching up on like the Aunt May trying to get him to take allergy meds earlier? Yeah, because because he, he sneezes and uh, fucking uh, what's the girl's name? Judy. Judy, yeah. God, this movie sucks. It's so fucking boring. She sneezes in Judy's car and he like talks about uh like how he needs to take allergy meds, yeah. But well, like I it was this movie twice and one of those times was an hour ago and I still missed that. Like most of most of the time, and another thing this reminds me of is that most of the time when Peter is in his Spider-Man costume, he just doesn't talk. He's like yeah. dead silent. He's quippy to like Dave and and Captain Barbera. But when he's Spider-Man, he just shuts the fuck up. Yeah, he's because he's like creeping around on this rooftop as Spider-Man with his little tracker out. And then he sneezes and drops it. And he's like, he's just like pantomimes. He like shrugs, I think. And then he just keeps going. All uh, yeah, all of these like Byron's rooftop sequences, he's acting very over exaggeratedly, like hulking around and skulking, and it's <laughs> he looks like like '90s cartoon Spider-Man movements, but like in real life, which 
is really weird. If that makes it's, sense. It's it's so this movie is so weird. Uh, Byron is sending away the members of his group and tells his two goons that they have to act now before the police crack Professor Tyler and make the connection to Byron that uh, Peter and Judy already have made. Spider-Man breaks into Byron's office and is confronted by three, like, kendo sword-wielding samurai martial artists. Yeah, I I just called them the bald ninjas because two of them were bald. They try to beat him with sticks. Is what they yeah. try to do. Um, like we've said, there's there's no Spider-Man villains in this movie, but there are three. I'm, I'm legitimately at a loss for words. When this happened, I, I sat up and said, what the fuck? Uh, there's, there's just three Bushido guys that show up and the guru is like, kill him. Uh, and they like try to run towards him and he jumps up on the wall and like climbs on the ceiling and then he kicks people. It's like an action sequence. Do you but think we can get these guys back for no way home? I think if we, if we can get, you know, you know what? I would genuinely like cheer if I saw Nicholas Hammond in no way home. I'd be like, yeah, like he shows up at the post credits. ready for it to be fucking Toby or Andrew and he takes his mask off and it's like a CGI 1977. <laughs> Nick no, Hammond. I wanted to be like I wanted to be like old man Nicholas Hammond. It'd be fucking dope. <laughs> He's like an adaptation of like The Last Stand, Spider Man, or whatever. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be fucked. That's this timeline. Sure, why not? Yeah, we got it. We got it. But yeah, there's the fight sequence, and oh. I like how you're like you're at a loss of words. We have to fucking work together to like figure out what the plot of this movie is because it's so boring. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's- taken two guys three cumulative watches of this movie to piece together what the fuck happens in it i can watch david lynch movies and have an idea of what happens in them i couldn't fucking tell you what happened here without notes that i wrote yeah but they end up like taking the fight outside uh and then peter uses his his uh web shooter to shoot at a, like a flagpole and wrap a web around it and does the mm-hmm. one exciting stunt of the movie where he swings from one building to the other building uh, which is exciting. I think it's cool. Yeah, it, it's a neat sequence. It's not the worst part of this movie, and that alone makes it, you know, it's okay. Have you ever seen the uh, the fan film? I think it's, what is it called? Like The Last Stand of the Green Goblin or Green something? Goblin's Last Stand, something like that. I've seen clips of it. I've never watched the whole thing. Uh, I found out about it from Red Letter Media a few years ago. Yeah, it's the same way I found out about it. Of course. Uh, but I've watched the movie. Uh, I, you know, I think it would be fun to do like a bonus episode on it or whatever. Yeah. If we got uh, time, we'll if we, on. if we can get it in there, maybe we can get somebody on board for that. We'll uh, see. but one of the best parts of that movie is, you know, it's a fan film. So you're more, you know, willing to accept, uh, like bad effects or whatever. Like, obviously this is not filmed in New York. This is filmed in like, like Cincinnati, Ohio or some shit <laughs> where there's like the only like tall building in the entire city is a bank. Uh, probably get away with filming a good one in Kansas City. Yeah, probably. Uh, but anyway, the one thing that's like super excellent about that is there are are scenes where the writer, director, star, uh, a guy named Dan Poole, he basically just took ropes and was swinging around on buildings in real life without any safety equipment. It's like insane. Fucking king shit. He's oh, just swinging God. around like a like a big idiot. It looks awesome. Because, you know, it's a real guy swinging around on ropes in a city. And it, it obviously it, it doesn't look like super slick or, or fancy. Uh, but, you know, it, it looks it looks cool. Fucking dedication to the craft, man. 
and that's that's the most exciting. This is the most exciting part of of the movie that we're watching now is when uh, Peter swings from that building, and it's so fancy, in fact, that they use it again later. Mm-hmm. Like yes, they Peter cut to escapes. a different shot. Peter escapes his trio of sword wielding adversaries, and we uh, get more shots from another bank. Where guess what? It's being robbed by somebody, and then they drive oh away God. in a car and they hit a brick wall. That yep. happens again. It happened. The guys show up, and then guys show up and take away their lapel pins and get the the money out. That's that's at least the third time it's happened in this movie, possibly the fourth. At his office, Captain Barbera is going over the records of the last robber, a church choir singer, together with his partner. Uh, as as the others, it doesn't make sense for this kind of person to commit a robbery like this. His partner suggests that the psychologist talking to Tyler might get something out of him. But Barbara argues that the mind controller will be long gone before they can get anything out of Tyler. Uh, he gets angry, of course, because that's his entire character. Uh, when his partner asks him what he's going to do about Spider-Man. As his partner leaves, Peter arrives and Barbara starts asking him questions about uh, Tyler and about Spider-Man, who Barbara really wants to question. He, he presses Peter to pass on to Spider-Man that Barbara wants to speak with him. Yep. And and Barbara Bar- Barbara gives a great line. Uh, when I write letterbox reviews, I always use a quote from the movie, and most of this movie is incredibly forgettable, so I don't remember any of the quotes. I like that about your reviews. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the, this is the one quote that I thought was interesting from this movie, where uh, the guy asks Barbara what he's going to do about Spider Man. He says, "What am I going to do about Spider Man? How do I know? I'm a cop, not an exterminator." Uh, that's that's a that's a fun line. You got a chuckle for me, yeah. Almost borderline Dennis Leary. I don't know. That's just he's oh, colored Dennis in my Leary. head as a, a cop that is with Spider-Man. He should be in all of it. J.K. Simmons level. <sighs> After getting out of Barbara's office, uh, Peter tries to call Judy, but can't reach her and leaves a message asking her to stay clear of Byron's place no matter what. He then heads to the office uh, himself and meets uh, Byron again trying to uh, trick him into thinking that he wants to take part in the program. Byron is reluctant, but eventually gives in and puts a membership pin on Peter's jacket. Byron then heads off into the room with his mind-controlling computer and starts attempting to program Peter, instructing him to forget that he was ever there, and instructs Peter to keep the pin with him at all times. Peter is to scale the Empire State Building, and then jump when he hears the buzzing sound. Uh, Peter is one of the lucky ten. Woo! Even though there yeah. were like more than ten people getting hypnotized earlier. Absolutely. But fucking... There's no mistakes I... in this movie. Um, at, uh, back at the Parker house after this, uh, May and Peter are watching another news report concerning the recent extortion. Peter asks May if Judy has called after him, which does get a great little May moment of, oh, a girl calling for Peter. Ooh, that's like the only good May moment in the movie. Uh, Though May had... also immediately after the news uh, broadcast about the, the extortionist, uh, we also get like a brief talk about like the Shah of Iran, like raising yeah, yeah. like oil prices or whatever, which, you know, you obviously this was before the Iranian revolution. Uh, so it's the Shah still, not the Ayatollah. And fucking Aunt May is like, I don't remember what she says, but she like does some like epic dunk on the Shah of Iran. It's like, wow, that's uh, that's like the that's like maybe the most 70s moment in the entire movie. 
He's like sitting there with her knitting needles and she's like, oh, I don't think we should be interfering in this Vietnam situation. Have you heard of the, the Iran-Contra scandal? That was a decade later, but still, it'd be very funny if Aunt May was yeah. talking about like political shit all the time. That's a part of her character now. Sure, why not? I love Jimmy Carter. Uh, Peter starts hearing a buzzing in his head and begins to have flashes about Byron, uh, prompting him to leave the table and have another little outside look around. Yeah, he, his... I, I literally, I literally wrote for the scene. There's a lot of Peter walking around silently and mugging to the camera in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, geez, I, I, it's just a bunch of shit, man. Peter just. He has a bunch more of these brain flashes and just remembers everything he forgot about a half hour after he forgot it. That's just what happens. Yep. <laughs> this is, we're, we're, we're close to the end, though. We're, we're he, getting through it. Oh, very. He borderline didn't even need to forget it, but whatever. Uh, we got to pat out the runtime. We got to pat out the runtime. He heads back, uh, trying to finally find the source of the signal and is again confronted by the three martial artists. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he tries. goes he goes back and does an almost exact replica of the last <laughs> time he went there. They fight, they go out to the roof, he spins his web, he swings across the building. <laughs> it's like the exact same sequence. This time they have flamethrowers. Yeah, they have they have a flamethrower and they cut his web and we do get a cool camera shot where it's first person. Uh, yeah. and Peter's like falling and he grabs onto a, a gargoyle and ends up climbing back onto the building. That's like one of the cool parts of this movie. Yeah, it, it's an interesting little take, but it's it's padded and like sandwiched by ninjas with flamethrowers and riding in a garbage truck. So you know, you think the, you think ninjas with flamethrowers would be cool in a Spider-Man movie, but it's not. It's just really boring. Stan Lee might have been able to do something with it, but maybe. Uh, but then, like, I think after that, he like his arm is hurt and he goes. Oh, my God. Down. He, he tries to get a cab. I didn't write that yeah. down. I just remember. Yeah. Scene. He's like he's <laughs> running away. He's running away from the the ninjas or the fucking gurus uh, goons. And he's like he's tr- they're like they're he's running down an alleyway and the car is behind him chasing after him. And then he turns and sees this little like doorway for like the entry of a garage. Uh, but the door is like closed. And there's like a little like maybe half a foot divot from the wall into the, the door. So he just presses up against the divot and the car drives right past. They don't even see him at all. It's like the funniest thing ever. He like, he like ducks in there and like, they would obviously be able to see that's that was where he ducked in. Cause they were right behind him in the alleyway. And then they mm-hmm. just drive right past him. They, he loses them. They're like fucking stealth game, video game guards. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a sequence. It's a sequence. But then yeah. he, yes, as as we talked about, Alex didn't have it in his notes. He runs over to a cab that's being driven by this guy, and he's like, "I, I it's like I'm not taking you there in that crazy costume. You don't have any pockets on that suit." And I was like, at a I masquerade. A... I promise. Yeah, he's like, I was at a masquerade party, and he's like, I don't care. And the and the cab drives away, and Peter has to ride home in a garbage truck, which is a funny moment. Yeah, it's it's a good Spider-Man moment. I, I like it's that. It's a funny least. moment that's actually supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. That's the key. Uh, the people of New York are getting very nervous. The deadline is mere days away, if not hours at this point. I don't. Yeah, I think it's like hours away at this point. Uh, yeah, I Peter, think so. Peter's back in the lab working, still wearing Byron's pin. Byron is uh, expecting his payment, his his ransom. 
back at the lab, Peter has finally figured out how Byron has been uh, doing it and calls Captain Barbera, telling him he'll be right over, but failing to realize that his pen has began to buzz. Uh, he begins walking towards the Empire State Building, which is like a convenient, brisk walk from the radiation lab, I guess. Uh, leaving Barbera waiting in his office. Uh, all over New York, members of Byron's group are hypnotized and moving in position to jump. Peter gets into position at the top of the Empire State Building. Uh, I, I think before we get to that, the, the climax, quote unquote, of this scene, I, I think it's amazing that this whole... It, we we skipped over the fact that this is a long, long sequence of oh, yeah. Peter being hypnotized and stumbling slowly and shambling and stumbling and shambling and slowly walking to the subway and getting on the subway and riding the subway and going to the Empire State Building and going and walking on the sidewalk, getting into the building and riding in the elevator and climbing up to the top of the building. And it's it's crazy because it's like this this sequence of like, oh my god, what's going to happen to Peter? But there's no tension. I feel no yeah, tension. You know, there's no stakes. And like, I, um, not, how, how do they question. do it? How do they do it? It's not a question of like, oh, you know, he's the good guy. He's going to make it. Because even in you know, even in media where you know he's going to be fine, like it's like shit. Well, there's at least some danger here. There's some stakes. You, it's just so convoluted and stupid. It's hard to feel anything watching it. Yeah. Uh, Byron is watching as his two goons are arrested by Captain Barbera. Oh, wait. Uh, we forgot to mention the, the climax of this sequence of Peter on the Empire State Building, where he tries to climb up the, the like the guard fence, like on the statue on the Statue of Liberty on the Empire State Building. So people don't like climb over and jump off. And he's mm-hmm. climbing up and like the, the hook over it, like rips off his lapel pin. And then the suddenly kill yourself bars do their job. And there's like this super tense music as he's climbing up. It's like, duh, 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 duh. And he climbs up and the pin falls off and the music stops. And he's like, what the fuck? And he just leaves. Yeah, just fucks off out of there. It's like, instead of like being like this bang of tension, it's like somebody like deflated a balloon. It's like. So with that having happened uh, and with the henchman having been arrested, Spider-Man comes back to the roof of Byron's building. And third time. Sh- claps his hands and shoots a net of web at the antenna, uh, which becomes a rope in his hand that he uses to yank down the antenna, which is the big climactic thing. This is him turning off, like, the blue laser firing into the sky that movies do now. This is yep. him stopping that. He, he yanks down an antenna, and that is the action scene that caps the movie off. Still no, still no background music. None. Uh, he pulls down this broadcast antenna, uh, preventing Byron from sending signals to the others, and they all return to normal. Uh, inside the office, Spider-Man encounters the three martial artists and is like, hey, we're buddies now, right? And just claps yeah. him on the shoulder and runs into the computer room. Yeah, he's like, you guys are gonna let me in? They're like, yeah! They, they just smile and just kind of like nod their head at the door. Like, oh, you, Spider-Man. They're, uh, just, they're just his friends now. I I actually I was so fucking done at the end of this watching it the first time this happened and I I think I said out loud sure yeah that happened why not I was just sure, done who cares? Uh, inside Byron has gone catatonic having become a victim of the, his own hypnotic signal and Spider Man tells him to go to Captain Barbera and tell him everything uh, Byron takes and, that, and it's it's that it's that yeah. easy folks the day is saved yeah that's it that's that's how you end the movie. Uh, Byron takes a taxi 
arriving just as Barbera arrives with Byron's henchmen, who waste no time telling the police that he's their boss. Jameson congratulates Barbera, uh, and Barbera does note that he had a lot of help from Spider-Man, to which Jameson calls him a freak that should be locked up. Great JJ there, I guess. For two seconds. Peter watches this from afar, watches them get their picture taken together, and he meets up with Judy again. She apologizes to him, and they make up a bit. Uh, Barbara sees Peter, yells at him about asking where he went, telling him the next time he's going to be arrested for providing false information, which I thought was just like a weird open, you know, like thing there. Like, oh, I have information. I'll meet you there. And he's gone. And it's like, well, what's the payoff? Oh, well, I'll get you next time if you pull that shit again. Too bad I don't suspect you of anything or anything. You know, it's it's okay. That's we're at the end. Who cares? We did it. The uh, day saved. <laughs> um. Peter then hands over his photos of Spider-Man to Jameson, uh, including the, the, the one of him with the samurai just chilling with the bros. Uh, and on his way, Jameson asks him, how come he's the only one that can get pictures of Spider-Man? Peter simply states, I believe, and walks off with Judy, and this piece of shit movie's over <laughs> with a little watch. He, he, says, he says, I believe, and then immediate hard cut to funk music as the two of them walk away and the credits start rolling. Just say some weird esoteric shit to the guy that writes you paychecks and fuck off with your not girlfriend, I guess. Jesus Christ. And that is Spider-Man, 1977. And I never have to think about it again. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have any ha- fun facts for this not-so-fun movie? There's there's a considerable little bit of trivia here, yeah. Some of it we already touched on. Um, like you mentioned a lot earlier, the guy that plays J. Jonah Jameson, uh, David White, was replaced with Robert F. Simon for the weekly series, which, you know... It's not JK, so who really cares, right? Uh, the Spider-Man series had solid ratings throughout its run, but fans were really critical of the series for a lot of the comic book changes and the lack of supervillains, as we also were. Yeah. Uh, until the MCU and you know some of the more gadgety stuff we saw there, this was at the time the only live-action appearance of like the spot any kind of tracking devices that the character uses. Hmm. Uh, As we also mentioned, this was filmed primarily in Los Angeles. And my last little, like, chunk here that I have about it is more so about CDS than the show itself. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, Spider-Man was not canceled because of low ratings. Actually, during its first season, it was a top 20 show for the network, uh, coming in at number number 19. (laughs) Uh, It's top 20 in that it barely sneaked into the top 20. The series performed well in ratings, uh, but the series was too, deemed too expensive to produce by CBS executives who wanted to shed the network's image as the superhero network. So they canceled this and Wonder Woman. However, The Incredible Hulk remained on the network until 1982 with severe budget cuts. 
Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's crazy that one television network had Spider-Man and the Hulk and then also Wonder Woman. Yeah, which is that a would DC make, property. Make nerds heads spin now, but you could really just do anything in the 70s, couldn't you? Yeah, fuck it. Absolutely. Fuck it. And, you know, as, as much as we as much as we sort of shit on uh, the fact that most of it's filmed in L.A., there are a couple shots that are in New York. Like there's on the oh, top yeah. of the Empire State Building and, and the, the scenes where Peter's walking around trying to get to the Empire State Building. And, you know, they filmed that all in one day. Yeah, you know, you know, they did. They, they didn't. It's like basket case. They didn't film without any. They filmed it without permits. They just kind of walked around. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. And, you know, case. I I feel like I feel like it would, like Spider-Man in uh, like those years where New York was like a complete shithole. Uh, you can ha- oh, tell yeah. a really good. You can tell a really good story with that. Spider-Man uh, always, meets the son of Sam. One of the things I liked about the Joker movie was that it was very heavily influenced by that time of New York when it was like a complete shithole. Uh, but, you know, if this TV show wasn't made by a bunch of like television network squares, uh, you know, maybe we could have gotten something fun like that. But alas, we did not. Well, yeah, it uh, they, they can't all be winners is all I can really say. That's yeah, it's about it. Uh, well, since we we talked about a movie this time. Let, let, let's bring back the old favorite. Let's do the ratings and the rankings. Uh, I guess I'll go first since I have the rankings pulled up right now. And I've also made a slight alteration to my rankings. In fact, in between seasons, that slight alteration being that I'm, I'm, I'm going to put Raimi one at the top of my list. Of course. I've, I've been beating around the bush for 20 years with this movie. Uh, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie so far. This I like you proposing more than, your love for it, even more than Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, That's fair. No, because Into the Spider-Verse, because Into the Spider-Verse is kind of like a uh, almost a it's it's a great movie. Obviously, it's fantastic. Uh, but it's it, to me at this point, it's kind of become like boringly perfect. Like, yeah, of, of course I get it. It's obviously going to have be great and have all these great moments and yada yada yada. It's just I, I, I feel like it's it's been overdone too much for me. And that's probably my own I, fault because I've seen it so many times. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Me, too. Um, you know, we got a title for the second one. I don't know that we talked about that on the show. We did not. Uh, it's going to be called Across the Spider-Verse, which would be interesting. Mm-hmm. The weirdest sequel to Across the Universe, I could imagine. But I was also thinking about that when they announced the title. Uh, but right now, my ranking is uh, Raimi one into the Spider-Verse far from home. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain America Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, Spider-Man 3, uh, and I'm going to give this movie uh, two and a half stars uh, and slip it right after Spider-Man 3 because I, th- I think this movie reminds me the most of the like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that came out in the 90s but like was never released because it only existed like keep the rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was obviously made on a really low budget and it's like, so it takes like such big liberties with the character that it, it, it basically has nothing to do with Spider-Man. Uh, but none of these actors are half-assing it. It's, it's kind of like watching a baby take its first steps. It's like, obviously going to like fall down and eat shit. Uh, but it's like, yeah, you did it. You made a movie with Spider-Man in it. That's, that's fair. That's valid. Most of it, as we've said, is incredibly boring. Uh, but I'm, I'm still kind of fascinated by it. It's such a weird thing. It's like, it's like an alien spaceship. It's, it's like a little a cr- test tube creature. It is. Uh, I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Uh, 
But you know, part of me, part of me is kind of glad that I watched it because it's like yeah. that 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 mystery of what the fuck is this has finally been solved for me. It wasn't a good answer to the mystery, but it was solved. It's a weird little footnote in the history of otherwise generally speaking a character with a lot of great adaptations under his belt. Yeah. And you know, when people talk about Spider-Man adaptations, they usually start with Raimi one, which was in fucking 2002, which is a fair so, assumption to make. If, if you're, it's a fair assumption to make, cause that, that's, that's when, you know, they were big in you know, big budget movies instead of being like some made for TV schlock that was, uh, put on in theaters overseas rather than being in theaters in here. But, you, know, uh, you, you gotta know your roots. But yeah, Two and a half stars, and then right below it, The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, because those movies are not boring, but they're still dog shit. Uh, likewise, I also have my ranking pulled up here. And just as a refresher on my end, my rankings of the films from best to worst were Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Raimi 2, Far From Home, Homecoming, Raimi 1, uh, Infinity War and Endgame I had tied together, of course, because I kind of just yep. lumped them together in my head. Civil War, Raimi 3, and then the duology and release order, 1 and then 2. Uh, I'm not sure what my star rankings were on those, so if my star ranking doesn't mesh here, I kind of I don't care. I'm just <laughs> going to put it where I feel like putting it. Ranking-wise, I'm going to put it above Amazing 1, but below Raimi 3. Uh, exactly, exactly where I put it. Exactly, yeah. I, I would still, at the end of the day, I think I had more fun watching this than either of the duology movies, just because it didn't do... It didn't thrill me, but I can't say there was a point in this movie I was infuriated. The closest was when yeah. there was like, the more repetitive bank robbing or martial art sword guy sequences. But even then, there was enough weird bullshit to pat it out. There's no weird bullshit in the amazing duology. There's, yeah, it, the ama- there's a sincere need of weird bullshit. <laughs> This movie had a guy, a real person swinging on a rope across two buildings. Yeah. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 had uh, Coldplay skateboarding and uh, dubstep. Exactly. Uh, yeah, which makes me feel completely justified in my decision. As far as which a... Make me wanna, uh, which makes me want to drink poison. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I'd rather take that over the other thing. Precisely. Uh, as far as a rating goes, I'm a little less generous with this one. I'm feeling a very solid two stars on it. Uh, again, enough. I'm not sure how that meshes with my ranking, but I, I do not care. Uh, that that's sounds fine right. with me. That, that, I think that fits. Two just feels solid and not too generous and not too mean either. Uh, it, this hasn't aged well. It will continue to age even worse as time passes. But as I said earlier, it genuinely is an interesting little footnote black sheep cousin of the spider-man family and if you're a weirdo completionist i suppose it's worth your time if you're stoned and have nothing else to watch and you really like uh funk guitar it's worth your time outside yeah. of that maybe wait for the day that riff tracks can generate two billion dollars to convince disney to let them take care of this someday outside of that i got nothing for you I, I want to say even Disney has like even Disney has abandoned this. They've never acknowledged it. Uh, no reason to. It hasn't like, you know, the Incredible Hulk TV show has more of a, it has more of a cultural impact. Uh, people remember that show and the Wonder Woman TV show as well. Oh, people sure, remember yeah, yeah. that those actors are still, you know, well those are both like iconic their in their own rights. Well. Yeah, they're both iconic. Nobody remembers this show. There's like 
eight people who remember the 1977 Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show. One of those people is probably recording this podcast. Two of them are recording this. One of them is probably Quentin Tarantino, because that's probably why he hired Nicholas Hammond. He was Spider-Man. It was cool. I think they actually showed this movie at uh, the New Beverly Theater that he like partially owns. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's us and Quentin Tarantino, and we're like the and only people. Five that other weird motherfuckers. And then, like, I know there's people. There's one guy that runs a Twitter account about this show. Uh, th- yeah, it's like it's like the four of us, and that's it. Uh, I think the most acknowledgement it might have gotten in recent years is when I was doing some research for trivia. I saw that it does have an assigned like Earth number for this. I want to say it's like seven seven zero nine something. Like it's the premiere date. I, I uh, want to say that would be like the most modern acknowledgement of it is granting it like an Earth number, but that's it. I don't know. Uh, and yeah, Alex, you you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching this if you're like a regular, like a normal Spider-Man fan unlike <laughs> us. Uh, but, you know, if you have a choice between watching this or the amazing movies, uh, watch this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, don't be suckered in by Andrew Garfield's disarmingly roguish charm or Reese Fawn's one hand. This is this is this is the thing to watch because, you know, you, I, I've been seeing like because, you know, the, the ramp up for No Way Home where we're getting more images and more teasers of what's going on. And people were like, I, I see people like romantically waxing nostalgic about the amazing movies where they're like, we didn't know how good we had it with the amazing movies. Like, have you seen those movies recently? They're bad. <laughs> Yeah, like, they're, they're so really bad, bad you can spend more time talking about them than watching them. Exactly. They're so terrible. Uh, but you know what isn't as terrible? This movie. You know what is kind of as terrible is the Clone Saga. That that That's exactly correct, Alex. And, you know, what a thing to, to transition us into the outro. Yeah, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, you can send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter, at spideysignals. Next week, as Alex said, we're going to be talking about the Clone Saga. Uh, now, we are going to have a disclaimer here. We're not going to talk about the whole <laughs> Clone Saga, which is that two is... years of comic books. And if we had to read all of that in a week, I would kill myself. Absolutely. Maybe if you had all day and nothing else to do, but you're in school. I work a lot. That's just not happening. It's not uh, happening. My, I, I am admittedly the the Clone Saga appreciator in the group here. And uh, in my opinion, I think the smoothest way to talk about it is it's not going to be when we covered Spider-Man Blue and Craven's Last Hunt. Those are six issue runs of a story that is told in six issues. So next week is going to be a little different, I think, from our usual format. I haven't narrowed it down exactly yet. I'm going to have those issues either today or tomorrow. But my plan is to look at the entire thing and handpick six of the, if not the more relevant plot issues, just the better example issues of what the Clone Saga is. And past that, I can drum up a, a, a decent, decently detailed but not overly gorged summary of the events of the entire clone saga. So it'll be a little different with the format, but I'm happy with it. And I'm very interested to see this because as I said before, I've never read the clone saga. Uh, I don't even really know what it's about. I know there are clones involved uh, and Ben Riley is there and he became the main Spider-Man for a while, but I'm He's excited to see the what... only clone. Oh my God. 
Uh, I'm excited to see what six issues Alex picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's good. Like I said, like you said, it's going to be a different sort of way that we do this show. Uh, but hopefully, uh, everybody likes it. Uh, but yeah, until then stay responsible. Oh, bye. (laughs) Yeah. That's the sweet spot. Fucking Jimmy Page over here.